All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Just after uh, 3 o'clock, how are you? Lovely uh, Wednesday afternoon. What a great first hour in the uh, month of giving today. Hey, we know our rural listeners. They know what's going on. They know a good package when you're here. To, uh, welcome back to The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Our uh, package today, we are helping out the uh, Christmas Bureau, and it's courtesy of uh, Ryan Dennis and the What the Futures podcast. It is a 2024 membership program, a farm business mentorship program, subscription to Harvest Profit, creates your uh, 2024 farm business plan along with individual support and mentoring from uh, Ryan Dennis. Also, you'll get 80 acres of Pioneer Canola Seed, and they'll pick a variety that complements your farm's agronomic plan. Also, you're going to get eight tickets to the PBR. It returns next November. Friday, November 8th, you're going to have eight tickets there, but also dinner and drinks hosted by Ryan Dennis Pryor. So, farmers, they love the PBR. You love your canola. And hey, something tells me you love your farm. Otherwise, you wouldn't have one. And uh, currently, uh, we are up to $7,500 on that. So you can uh, text in your bid at uh, 10 12 60, or sorry, 833-401-1440. Damn it! 833-401-1440. 40 is uh, where you can text us or you can call the same number to uh, Connor Halley. 833-401-1440. It is now time for Who Is It Wednesday? Our guest in studio. He was the 11th overall selection in the WHL Bantam Draft. He became a 19th overall selection in the NHL Entry Draft a few years later. He won two Stanley Cups. He was a 40-goal scorer in the uh, the WHL, played for one uh, WHL team, but actually for a brief time, was a member of two. Also played for uh, four different NHL organizations, Calgary, Colorado, Carolina, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, of course, he is a proud uh, alum of the Southside Athletic Club. Chris Dingman joins us. Dinger, how you doing? <clears throat> doing pretty good yourself? I am uh, I am good. I am good. That's, uh, that's quite the resume for a young buck from uh, from Edmonton. Who uh, you know? There's a few guys you played minor hockey with, Ryan Precht and and uh, and Damon Lankow. You're also a pretty good ball player, if my uh, if my memory uh, is correct, right? Like back back then in the growing up, uh, you know, when you did in the '80s, '90s, like you played multiple sports, yep. right? Um, was hockey always your sport? <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, like everybody else, I like playing hockey, and but I like playing basketball a lot and volleyball, and 
as it went along, you end up having to quit the other sports because you just don't have time to do them. And uh, I played rugby for a year and football for a year in high school. I love rugby. Use the electrical tape. You tape your ears back. I was the A man. We had to wear the little tight shorts. And I don't know. Like I'm kind of like shreddy there a little bit. Um, oh yeah. Well, I'm not you, a short, short guy. So, oh, right. but I did get in a fight during the play, and the guy uh, was wailing on a guy, and the ref was like, "Okay, enough. That's enough." So, kind of stopped that. And then I, I do have some pictures where. Like, I was kind of a big kid, if we're being honest. <clears throat> I was a little oversized, and um, my jersey a lot of the times uh, was a T-shirt of the same color. With, <laughs> so my mom, God rest her soul, um, I usually played up uh, in with older players. and okay. Especially in hockey when body contact started, like, parents wanted to lynch me and just would, like, just, like, just spitting mad. My mom would almost get in a, fights in the stands, and she'd be, like, screaming at him, he's 12, he's 12, because <laughs> they, like, wanted to lynch me. There was one time when I was playing for... It's at uh, the arena, um, the one by Scona there. I can't think of the name. Um, oh, the Southside Athletic Club. Okay, arena. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, I, I, I hit this kid. It was a clean hit, but I, I don't know if I knocked him out, but he was laying there like he was dead. And his dad came on the ice and was like, you know, coming at me like, and I'm scared. Like, you know, I'm like 12 You're or 12 something. years old. Yeah, so I'm holding my stick, and I'm like, do I got to tomahawk this guy? And I'm kind of nervous or whatever. And then I'll never forget my... You know your parents or your parents or whatever and you see sides of them and different sides and he my dad jumps out of the stands and goes over and grabs the guy picks him up by the throat and he's like you ever go near my son again i will you know kill you and i was like oh man holy crap here we go and then you'd never really seen your 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 dad eh? i never seen that side of him yeah. and then uh it was like okay hey, get in the car so i get in the car and he's like uh you want a slurpee and a bag of chips or something you want to go for a slurpee i was like sure he's like not a word to your mother I was like, yeah don't worry about it. yeah it's uh mom's word so did you ever tell did mom ever find out did dad oh yeah, yeah 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 100 yeah, yeah. Well, yeah because if it wasn't you it would have been some of the other moms in the crowd that told her oh my god well even the coach was like standing there and like he didn't know what to do because yeah. he's like what do i do do i get involved do i whatever so but i get it you know what you like 12 year old kids it's never a parent should never go like i could see how a father would be like hey wait a sec these twelve-year-olds are playing. Now, if you don't like the hit, you don't like the hit. That's up to the ref. But you don't yeah. go and you don't go and threaten a twelve-year-old. Well, what I do with my kids when they're playing and it gets rough, and you know, kids just like I don't know the accountability's not there anymore. Like I'm not. I've been in a lot of fights in my life, and I like fighting for the sense of like no one wants to get knocked out. And getting punched in the face hurts. Like getting body checked hurts. Blocking shots hurts. But just that fear of bodily harm and. So now it's everyone, like, everyone's jawing after whistles, like, in the NHL. At yeah, all levels, yeah, because yeah, they know. The yeah. refs, don't, they'll get in there and whatever. And so there's been a couple of games, like, my younger son, he's uh, pretty physical. My older boy is physical, too, but my younger guy's, uh, yeah, he gets a little angry sometimes. And there's a couple of games where, you know, guys going at him, beaking him, and I'm just standing there. I'm like, go and fight him. Fight him. <laughs> Try him. Try him. And the people are looking at me. I'm like, like Tom, stop talking. Stop running your mouth and fight him. Like, I just hate the chirping. Like, chirping's one thing, but like, just, uh, you know, whatever, F you, F you, or back and forth. Like, just, you know, if you're going to fight, fight. If not, not. But, uh, I just love competing. I love playing sports. I like playing basketball, basketball, volleyball. Again, the short shorts. I have a picture. I did a TikTok years ago where it was the great, it was my grade nine year at Riverbend Junior High. So I was playing with kids my own age and, my mom, I guess, took a picture, and I'm, like, going up for a shot. And the kid who's on my team is literally, like, up to my belly button or, like, a little bit above that. And I was like, wow, man. Like, it was. So you were 6'3 <clears> at the <throat> time of, like, when you were 13 or something, 14? Yeah, like, so I was 5'11 in grade 6, and then by grade 8, I was, like, 6'1 getting to that stage. So, yeah, you know, she kept all the uh, – skipped a lot of uh, – skipped track of a lot of the game sheets or whatever you call them, like, score sheets uh, mm -hmm. for basketball, and it was always, like – you know, 28 points, only two fouls or three fouls because, you know, whatever. Every time I block a shot or you bump somebody, you know, it's, oh, it's a penalty, it's whatever. So, you know, I was, I was like when they, we moved a couple times and then you go through boxes you haven't looked at for years and then I was like, oh, what's this? And then I looked through my report cards, which was kind of funny too, and I got a kick out of this. So, you know, I was good at sports. I really enjoyed competing. and But I never got, a, a, I never got an A in phys ed. Out of all the years, like she kept them up until grade nine, I never got an A, and it was like, "What you? What were you not good at?" I don't know. Like the one one year was uh, Chris is super competitive, hates losing, B minus, and then the other year was like, <laughs> you know, Chris is a really good athlete. He's good at all sports. He's really good with the kids that aren't as good at sports. Uh, B plus. I'm like, you couldn't you just give me an A? Like I don't like whatever. Uh, so, never. anyways, I uh, hang on to things for years. If you have oh noticed. yeah, I, I, haven't <laughs> I haven't noticed that at all. So let it go. Let uh, it yeah, go. Good, good man. Chris Dingman uh, joins. So you get you get drafted actually by Seattle, 11th overall in the WHL draft, 
And like within days, you got traded to Brandon. Yeah, I don't. My dad would know specifically, but from what I recall, um, you know, back in that era, it was like you got a call, you're drafted, and okay, pretty cool, got a T-shirt or whatever it was. And they were Seattle's hosting the Memorial Cup that year, and uh, they flew me and my parents out uh, to go to the Memorial Cup. And I mean, I was like pumped because I'm a drummer, music guy, and you know, I'm a metal guy, I like country, I like all, but I'm more primarily a metal guy, grunge and hard rock, and. So I'm pumped. I'm going to go to Seattle, home of grunge, you know, like music. And so I go, and then uh, they give me uh, some used gloves and, like, six wooden sticks. They're, like, white Bauer wood sticks. And I was like, this is the best. Like, I just love life because, you know, you know, whatever. You get, and you get, anytime you get sticks or something, you know, when you get dry, whatever it is, it's oh, like yeah. you feel cool and you feel awesome. And then so I go home, and then I get a call, like, two days later, I think it was, uh, from Kelly McCrimmon. So I answer the phone, hey, Chris is Kelly or my dad or my mom did. So they put me on the phone, and it was like, hey, Chris, this is Kelly McCrimmon from the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, we just acquired your rights. I was like, sorry, what? Yeah, we just acquired your rights. I'm like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> like, well, you're with us now. And I was like, oh, okay. And so you're, now you're all of a sudden like, it's almost, we're, we, did you feel like the Fountain Tire commercial? I'm going to Brandon. <laughs> right? Because, like, Seattle from Edmonton is obviously closer, yeah. right? Direct flight. But it's, you know, it's a much bigger market. But then you end up going to Brandon, which has been a really successful WHL franchise. Of yeah. course, you know, it's far away from there's no close games to Brandon, right? How mm-hmm. how was it for you? And did you care at that age or was it disappointing? Well, it's disappointing in the sense where, you know, it's like they didn't want me. I wanted to quit because they traded me. And it was... You know, whatever, I was uh, pretty upset, I guess. And um, so my, I remember we like, brought, like, looked up, okay, where's Brandon? Manitoba. Like, I don't know, I was kind of ignorant, to be honest with you. Uh, I like playing sports, and, uh, you know, I got good enough grades. And you know, it was another thing, you know, if Chris really applied himself, he could be an honor student. And, you know, if he talked less, he's a little disrupted. Anyways, uh, and we'll get back to the school stuff. But um, and then you look up, there's like 42,000 people, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh. And then it was like, you know, my parents were like, just go try it. And if you don't like it, you know, you can come home and, whole thing and then i went there and you got introduced to the family the hams that uh, i was gonna live with and they were 28 and 30 at the time they had a three-year-old boy and a five-year-old girl and you get dropped off and uh you know there you are and then you're playing hockey and to be honest with you, it was like four of the best years of my life it was awesome uh the town was great the team was great played with a lot of great teammates Krimmer was he Krimmer was hired my coach was uh bobby lowe's uh very intense <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah oh yeah like i tried to make a pass one time as a rookie and I don't know if you know much about my gameplay, but uh, I could sauce a puck. Well, we played together in the Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could sauce a puck pretty good. Yeah. I'm like fat dry saddle now, so uh, <laughs> my backhand's ridiculous. Uh, good shot. Can't turn. I can skate fast. And I can hit and fight. Well, I sauce this puck. I try it at the, at the blue line. I think I'm like a 16-year-old rookie, and so the D-man knocked it down. It's like Harris Permanis or something. And anyways, the D knocks it down, and Losey comes over to me, and like literally like, I don't know, five inches from my face, and he's like, for like 10 seconds he's like one two three four five six seven eight nine ten it's because of uh see you i'm not gonna say it yeah, uh yeah. like you have high blood pressure get the puck in deep and i was like oh my god i was just trying to make a pass here <laughs> tell you what i never turned over the blue line after that <laughs> it was pretty clear what he wanted me to do my first year so uh there was three of us my, myself mike dubinsky and colin cluche were 16 year olds and he paid your dues played on the fourth line and uh Kluch was a great line mate but uh it's like every game he started something and it was line brawl and fight and you know, it was that era where you, you know, my parents were very clear with Kelly. Like, we don't want Chris to be a goon. We don't want, he's yeah. like, no, no, we want him to play. But, you know, in that era, the when way you're, I, When you're 6'3", you're going to have to fight at some point. Well, in the way I then. played, I, I, like, I tried to hurt people when I hit them. Well, not hurt, but I, I tried to go through them. I, the boards were stopping me. And when he did that, you had to fight. And getting your first fight, you do pretty good. And I thought I broke my hand, but it was just bruised. And then you get your next fight and your next one. And then. By your third year, you're just beating people up. Anybody that touches your line mates. But, uh, yeah, Lozu was great, but he got us in, uh, I don't know how many brawls. We were in Moose Jaw, and we score a goal clearly for like two seconds ago at least. And then uh, the goal judge waited till the buzzer went. So it was like, and then the, they throws the light on. So they're like, no goal. So we go over and we're arguing with the, the timekeeper. And, uh, you know, Lozu's like 5'9", maybe. Mm-hmm. And so me on skates, I don't know, like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, maybe. So I got him in a headlock like this, and he's got his head's like down, you know, 
below, way below my shoulders. And this like, is oh. your coach? Yeah, my coach, yeah. So he's over at the timekeepers, like, you know, giving them the color, you know, a couple uh, mm-hmm. MFs and whatever. And uh, so I got him in a headlock, and he wiggles his head around, and he turns, he looks up at me, and he's like, Darren, if you don't like going around, oh, I'm going to freaking sucker you. I was like, okay. Goes up to the timekeeper, you're an a-hole. Soccer's own glasses go flying. I'm like, okay, here we go. Your coach oh, yeah, yeah. punched the timekeeper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and then we're like, oh, God, here we go. So then they're like, you know. Did he get suspended? Yeah, he got suspended. Oh, yeah. was, I don't know how many games he got for that one. But so my mom and uh, my billets, uh, God rest their souls, they uh, kept all the press clippings. So, you know, that was one of them. And they like, Krimmer was on the ice, or bus driver Mogi was on the ice, the owner was on the ice. It was like slap shot. It was awesome because if we got into it, like, Krimmer's out there. And uh, so, like, it was one of the, like, literally, like, that game, there's some of the guys from Moose Jaw. They're like, they're getting in there. And then finally, like, should, the rest of them are like, should we get into this? Like, is this, it's not really our fight. And then, <laughs> yeah, our, well. then we're fighting the fans. And, like, the RCMP showed up. And same thing happened in Regina. We got a bench clearing brawl. And, like, people were throwing batteries and pop at us. And, you know, we didn't have all these stories over the years. And, you know, you've done a lot of things. And, you think you've heard every story, and I was actually going through Brandon years ago with my younger guy. We were going to a tournament in Winnipeg, and we stopped in Brandon and went to the office, and this Darren Ritchie was the GM at the time, and Rich was my winger. And I think I always like to say, this is, that was the year I scored 40, but he scored 62, and Marty Murray scored 55. and But I had 30 fights, and they only had like two. So yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, <clears throat> so we stopped in the office, and... Yeah, we're talking, and Rich is like saying to my my younger son, uh, "Sorry, he's like, yeah, you know, your dad is a little crazy back in the day. He used to get in some fights, and he's like, yeah, I know, you know, because he was like twelve or something at the time. He's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, whatever. And um, anyways, he's like, so we got in this brawl in Regina one time, you know, like bench clearing brawl, and got a little crazy. And then so Rick Dillabo's worked there. He doesn't work there anymore. Uh, he he's moved on since Kelly sold the sold the team and went to the NHL with Vegas there, but um. So Dilly comes flying out of the office, and he's like, yeah, you know what's funny about that? He's like, we're in the stands, and my dad got in a fight, and Marty Murray's dad got in a fight in the stands, and because it was like a little crazy. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty uh, bad. This is a 1993, 94 like 90, kind of? I was like 94. I was okay. 17, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So uh, so Dilly comes flying. I was like, yeah, you know what's so crazy about that? He's like, grown men were sprinting up the aisle, and they're coming back like a minute or two minutes later, double-fisted with sodas or pops, whatever you want to call them. And throwing them, out, throwing them out, you guys, on the ice. He's like, I've never seen that before. Like, grown men are, like, sprinting up the alley. He's like, that's the first thing. And he's like, the second thing is the game had been over for, like, 20, 30 minutes. He's like, how are the concessions still open? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I was like, yeah, I never forget. It. And was like, you know, so it was literally, like, bench-clearing brawl, and I beat up quite a few guys, and then uh, we're going off the ice, and something happened, a fan, and then Losey went into the stands, so then we go into the stands, and... After all that, uh, I think I had uh, knocked a linesman out, to be honest with you, because he was trying to slew foot me, so I believe I elbowed him a couple times and knocked him down. And He must have got suspended for this. Yeah, I got one game. So I, <laughs> One game? Yeah, I got one game, and Lozzi got one game. So I found the press clippings where it was like, Chris Damon, the head coach Bobby Lowe's would be suspended for one game for a post-game altercation. I, I've seen the video, but it, I haven't seen the whole video, and it was like cool and whatever. So the next day at practice, so we were up in the series. I believe we were up two nothing. It was a best of five, and then so I made it two one. They won that game, and then the next game. So we would practice next day. I break like three sticks, and at the time I had like extra stiff, like you know back in the day. My was rookie, it the Sherwood fifty thirty? No, it was a Bauer oh, or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have the 50, I still have those in my garage. The fifty one fifty or fifty one thirties. Yeah, I have those. Uh, but I break like three the next day, and I was like, "What the heck, man? My sticks?" Because I, you know, I needed stiffer sticks. So myself and Colin Cloutier were both lefties. We shared because you could curve. You know, it was a wooden stick, wooden blade. So I break like three of them. And I'm like, what the heck? And then uh, so our assistant coach, uh, his name is Mark Johnson, we call him Big Johnny. And Big Johnny goes, yeah, Dinger, what do you think we were hitting the fans with? I was like, what? And he goes, what do you think we were hitting the fans with? And they were trying to get over the glass. So the fans were trying to get over the glass. So he's like, he's like, your, your sticks. Yeah, he's like, your sticks were longest. So he's like, he was tomahawking the fans. And so it was all like funny games. But then the next game, like we're in Regina and I'm suspended. And, you know, when you're in a brawl or a fight or whatever, you have your teammates there and everyone's around you. But when you're suspended, you're in the stands and you're by yourself. So I'm like 17. I got my tip top tailors <laughs> suit on, you know, my na- nasty uh, flower paste of paisley tie or whatever. And I like, I was like scared because I'm like, I don't know. Like everyone went to the bathroom. I'm like head on a swivel looking around because I don't know if someone coming after me or whatever. But uh, yeah, I used to go on and on about stuff like that well, where we just got into fights and fights and it was great. But you look back, you're like, man, what were my parents thinking sending me? And it wasn't, they didn't do anything wrong. A lot of it was, 
I blame Klutz for a lot of the stuff that happened. And uh, some yeah, you were an innocent bystander, eh? Well, so like my grandmother, God rest her soul, too. Like every time she come came to watch me, I never made it out of. Uh, I never played a full game. Like something happened, I got kicked out. She came to Red Deer one time and had a goal assist and. Couple fights in the first period, I got kicked out, and then uh, my best friend growing up, he came to watch me and Brandon, and they used to have that rule where the separate warmups in uh, junior, you know, the visiting team would go on, then the home team, and you're like, why do they have this rule? And then, well, because back in the day when like Saskatoon had, I think it was like uh, Tony Twist and oh, Kelly yeah. Chase, they would take their net. Yeah, they take their net, and the pucks, the other team just skate around. So um, my buddy comes in ten and a half hours straight in his little Hyundai to come watch me play, and skating around before the anthem. And I'm at the hash marks, and I'm looking around. There's no, no one within, like, 5, 10 feet of me. I'm like, where the heck is everybody? I turn around. There's, like, this big melee at center ice. So I believe it was Moose Jaw again. <clears throat> they traded for this guy. I think his name was Van Steinberg or something. And he crossed the red line, so Kluch uh, clotheslined him. Like, literally, like, slap shot. So I'm like, okay, I auto-shed my gloves. I go flying across. And I'm like, okay, what am I getting first? And I, like, tell me, like, five guys, like, right in front of my billets and my buddy. And so I don't play a shift. And then some, I guess some lady, I love hearing these stories, some lady went in the office, an older lady, she's like, oh my God, it's like the WWF out there, you know, I want a refund. And so Kelly McCrimmon goes, hey, you're not getting a refund. B, what the heck am I doing sitting here talking to you? I'm going to go watch the fight. So I don't even play a shift. My buddy drives down. So after the game, it was like a Friday night or something. So we had a later curfew, like 1230 or something. So having a couple of beers at uh, my billet's place, and my buddy's like, man, that was awesome. That was unbelievable. I would like to see you play, but that was <laughs> unbelievable. And then my two other good buddies drove to watch me play in Saskatoon, and that's when they had Belak McAllister. It was, my, uh, it was our draft year. And so Beeler and I fought, uh, again, God, God rest his soul. We fought like five times that year, and that was the one where I got to, uh, they're always really good fights, and that one I got the better of him because he split me for six, but I broke his nose, and, and I was like, as I got up, everyone was cheering because I was bleeding, and I was like, I have the, the, the video, you, I'm like pointing at him on the ice, I'm like pointing at him, like wait till he gets up, and he gets up, and his nose is leaking. Our Beeler was tough, like don't get me wrong. He switched the lefts, and he <clears throat> hit me with two, and I thought I was going down, and I switched it up and hit him with two hammer fists, but anyways, we were the second fight because Kluch was already fighting McAllister and we went and squared off and you know of course I had the leather straps because Ty Domi was playing in Winnipeg so I thought it was pretty cool but I took my helmet off to fight anyways because that's what the, the supposed tough guys did back in the day so we fight and then I play like, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes of the first period. So then I shower up and I go sit with my buddies, grab a hot dog and sit in the stands and watch them. They're like, oh, that was great. We like seeing you play the whole game, but oh, it was great. So, uh, different time, man. Oh, like, yeah. Cause you end up being 19th overall pick by the Flames after your second season. Uh, we're almost a point of game players, a 17 year old. Uh, that year, uh, had, had battled a few injuries and some suspensions. So we'll come, we'll talk about, uh, you know, getting drafted by the Flames, uh, being in that organization, then obviously going to Colorado where you played with some of the greatest players of all time, won a Stanley Cup and more. We're Chris Dingman here on Who Is It Wednesday on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. What a great Wednesday. How are you? Welcome back to Who Is It Wednesday on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Coming to you live from the Ewell studio, E-W-E-L dot C-A. The uh, stories are flying fast and furious with uh, Chris Dingman today. Also, so are the bids. We're now up to at $9,000 with Grant. Uh, we had uh, Colin in at uh, eight. Uh, Mike was in at 85, and now Grant is in at 9000 Dollars for the uh, uh, our farming package. Uh, we'll get you the rundown on it. Uh, it is it's amazing package, courtesy of Ryan Dennis and the What the Futures podcast, which is all about uh, grain industry and the futures and how you can uh, you know maximize your yield, all those sorts of things. It gets the uh, 2024 mentorship uh, farm business membership with the uh, subscription to Harvest Profit, creates your own uh, business plan for 2024. You also get the individual support and mentoring from Ryan. You'll get 80 acres of Pioneer canola seed, and they will pick a variety that complements your farm's agronomic plan. You also have... Tickets, dinner, and drinks to the uh, PBR professional bull riding on Friday, November 8th. So you go for dinner and drinks before with Ryan. Then you got eight tickets to go to the event. It's always a, it's a fantastic event if you've never been a PBR. Man, I love it. It's so fun. So that's currently now at uh, 9,000. We're helping out the uh, Christmas Bureau today, 833-401-1440. And uh, Chris Dingman, of course, uh, sticking with us for the hour. 
Hearing some uh, great stories about the time as uh, in junior, a little bit different era uh, in junior in the in the in the early nineties than it is now. I think that's uh, safe to say. And so Dinger, you were you know your second year, uh, you get drafted nineteenth overall by the Calgary Flames. Take me through that draft year for you. you scored twenty one goals in, in forty five <coughs> games. You had you know bad a little bit of injuries here or there. But when when did like when you went there as a sixteen year old, were you somebody who was like, hey, I'm gonna like was the NHL your dream at that point, or were you just kind of naive like, hey, I'm just going to the dub. No, I wanted to play in the minors my entire life. Yes, of course. Yeah, I had a dream, like everybody else, wanted to wanted to get drafted, and I had an agent. I for, kind of forget how it happened, but he is Donnie Me in Newport Sports. He flew us out in the summer. It was myself, Rhett Warner, a bunch of Western League guys, okay. Clark Wilm, and we go to this uh, billiard club or pool hall kind of thing. Yeah. As soon as we land, we're having beers, and like it's Toronto, we can get in and anywhere. We're going to the Loose Moose for. So Donnie Meehan was my agent, and then he was kind of advising my parents. I didn't talk to him that much, but it was like, hey, you're probably projected to be a second rounder somewhere in there. And as the draft went along, he talked to some teams. And so I did this this testing with Calgary, and I would look at, like, ink plots or whatever, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. pictures, and like, what do you see? And I'm like, oh, I see, like, there's a teepee right here, and there's a rabbit, and there's this and that. And I'm like, so I'm going in all this. I know you're laughing. I go into all this stuff, and then. One of the other tests was uh, uh, there's like a string with a paper clip on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. And you hold your elbow at like 45 degrees and you're not allowed to move your hand there. And they're like, can't make it move. And I don't know how I did it, but I had the thing like wheeling around, like spinning. So I don't know so how. So is that like a wrist strength thing? No, it was just you had to let it hang from your thumb and your, and your pointer finger. So it's a string with a paper clip and it's like, make it move. I don't know how, but I had the thing like circulating or whatever you want to call it. So I don't know how, but like mind, I don't know, something. So <clears throat> anyway, so I did that. And then one of the other ones was uh, you had to do A1, B2, C3, the dots on the paper. Right. And then you put this headset on, and uh, it was telling you to do something different. So like, okay, same thing. So I do it, and I started going, then I stop. And then I'm like, hey, you want me to keep doing this, or you want me to do what the headset's telling me? He's like, no, the headset. So I go again, then I stop. And then the third time I do it, and they give you the results. So... So they're, so just so they're telling you to do one thing, but the heads. So they're trying to see how you can. Yeah, yeah, I guess handle yeah. you know different yeah, yeah. messages. Okay. So then you get feedback after, and so like the ink stuff, it was like hey, one guy said there's two blobs and like stuff. So I was really detailed in my stuff, and he's like the A one B two the you know connecting the dots. He's like it took you three times because you stopped twice, but it was the fastest time we've done. I was like okay, so that's good, I guess. And then <laughs> excuse me, so I didn't talk to Calgary again. And, you know, it's like, okay, here's where maybe you're going to go. You're going to the draft. And, and then you go to, it was in Hartford, and you go and you talk to all these teams. And, like, but, it, but leading up to that in the spring when the season was over, so I was playing fast pitch with my billet. So, uh, you know, we're playing baseball and uh, having a few beers. and But you got to stay in shape because we got to go do all this testing. So I flew to New Jersey, tested with New Jersey. I uh, went to Quebec. Quebec was still in the league. So Sherry Basson, so we go there, takes us out for dinner and, you know, we go for dinner, we're having a few drinks, and, you know, we're clearly underage, and then we go to that bar, I think it's the Dago Bear, and, you know, like, you get it anywhere. I remember, like, you go up to the bartender, I'm like, parlez anglais? And he's like, where? <laughs> like, you know, you know, the bad light or the bad blue, whatever it was. But anyway, so they go to the draft, and, you know, Donnie's talking, okay, probably going to go here or whatever. So then Calgary drafts me, but uh, I guess Dallas was drafted 20 if they had my name written down, so if Calgary wouldn't have taken me, I guess Dallas uh, – Donnie was telling me what it taken me, but so I go, you know, you do the picture and put on the jersey and the hole, whatever. And so they go, and I'm talking to Calgary and the head scout at the time, Tom Thompson, was a great guy, and he's like, "So what did I get that year? You're saying I had some really bad quad contusions, uh, just because my pants were moving. Literally, I'd just try and run guys as hard as I could, and a lot of guys were smaller, so their hip would like hit right in the middle of my thigh. So <clears throat> after the one, the second time, I came back and they put me on right wing, and I was like not doing well in right wing because I hadn't played it in forever. So Tommy's like, oh, my God. He's like, you don't know how happy we were when you came back and they put you on right wing because you were terrible. And we knew we wanted you at 19. I was like, oh, great. Thanks, man. But at the time, I'm like struggling. <laughs> like, I feel like crap. I got no confidence. I'm like, couldn't have told me that at the time. But anyway, so they, I guess they didn't want to tip off that they really wanted me or something. So they talked to me that one time. They had the psychologist or whatever it was and talked to me the one time that I didn't and hear never from t- him. Never heard from him. Yeah, so it was weird. And then you, know, you go to the draft and you talk to everyone and never forget, like Paul Holmgren. Like, I shook his hand, and he, like, almost, like, I don't know, my hands are decently sized, but his hand was, like, add another knuckle to mine. So I shake his hand, like, literally almost crushed my hand. He's got the crew cut and, like, very intimidating because you go into a hotel room, and 
hey, Chris, how you doing? Paul Holmgren? Yeah. And you sit down and you're like 17 years old, like crapping your pants. And, and every, the first thing he asked me, he's like, so you, you and Beeler fought a few times this year. Be like, yeah. And he's like, how'd that go? Who won? I was like, well, the one I won for sure, because like he split me for six, but I broke his nose, so I'll take six zippers over a broken nose any day of the week. The other one I got the better of him. The other one of them he probably beat me, and the other two were like, you know, a wash or whatever, kind of a tie. Okay, and that was it. That was all he had. That was to. it. And then you know, you go to the other ones, and like the old, like you know, if your house is on fire, which family member would you save and why? And what you know, if, what was? Do you remember what your answer was? That's such a stupid question. By myself. The way. Is that was your answer? Yeah, because then I can save everybody else. Oh, okay. Right. No, I don't think I said that. I don't no. know. I think I said my mom. Like, well, yeah, what's the best? Like, yeah, I don't know what the right answer is. It, is it uh, like, yeah, are you a protector more if you say your mom or if you say your dad or I don't know, yeah. your dog, whatever? So it was. Uh, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know what the right answer. I'm not sure there is a right answer, but yeah, it was interesting. And then uh, yeah, then we all uh, we all hung out in a hotel room. All us Western League guys, all the guys I fought, like Warner and Bielak and all of us, and hung out because. It was in Hartford, in downtown Hartford, as you know. Yeah, good times. Not like, yeah, not like going on. Did it do? They got, I'm not they even going to do the song. The Brass Bonanza oh, money we played every yeah. Friday. I love it. Unbelievable. So you play. So then the next year you scored 40, right? Yeah. Uh, you had 83 points in 66 games. And then the following year, you're point of game player again, 18 and 19. And then you turn pro as a 20 year old. Uh, you go to the St. John's Flames. And, you know, you, you, you've been to camp a few times then. Obviously, you played some preseason games. When, when, as a big guy who's now near 19, like you go to the NHL or even like the American League's tough. There's lots of tough guys in the American League, especially at that time. Um, was it, is it nerve wracking for you? Like you said, you're like, Hey, you know what? I don't mind if, if guys want to fight, but when you come in there and you're 20 and you're kind of the young guy against grown men, was it intimidating? <laughs> I think maybe a little bit, but I mean, I was big enough and strong enough. Like I was always, I prided myself in being in really good shape. I was always in the, Probably say top five or top ten for sure in conditioning overall. Like I usually, what did you one. play at? Like normally, um, well, my first year, so I played junior. My first year junior, I was like two twenty six, and then I was two twenty eight, two thirty, two thirty two. But my body fat went from like twelve percent the first year to like eight percent. But back in that era, it was like if you're six three, six four, you're two twenty five. And me at two twenty five, I look emaciated. I just don't have the frame for it. So. I almost made Calgary as an 18, 19 year old in the last cut. And then going into my 20 year old year, um, that camp. So they fought the Doug Risebrow got fired and Tom Thompson, all the guys that drafted me, a new coach. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so like, can you come into camp under two thirty? So I come in at like two twenty seven, and I'm the first cut. Like I'm part of the first cuts and I go down to St. John and the coach down there is Paul Baxter and well, we can get in him later. I wouldn't, uh, yeah, if he was on fire, I wouldn't, you know what? Um, and <clears throat> so, so I, he's not the guy that if your house is on fire, <laughs> you'd pull out. Oh no, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm tackling him on the way out and, and stepping on him a couple of times. But, uh, so I lead, I lead preseason scoring and then everybody else comes down and then, uh, I'm like fourth line, barely play. And like, you know, every time, you know, like the player personnel guy, Jamie Heslop would come down and it's like, you know, what's going on? I'm like, I don't play, man. He's like, well, I was talking to Baxi, you know, he thinks you need to work harder. I'm like, man, I was like seventh overall in testing. Like I work hard. I've never been known for not working hard. But every time he's in town, all of a sudden I'm like on the second line and playing and okay. it was just garbage. So like, you know, he was born again Christian, which is great. And you know, it's fine. I have no problem with your, anyone's faith or anything like that. But he, you know, still smoked and drank and was a total a-hole and there was a game so Sheldon Surrey you know obviously oh, yeah. played here so Surrey's a good guy and we fought and played and so he's trying to it wasn't even a block shot but he's trying to dump a puck in in Albany and he like drills me right in the ankle and like you know he can, oh, he can shoot the puck yeah like 100 plus miles an hour so he drills me in the ankle and I'm like I think I break my ankle I'm like I'm like he's like oh sorry dang it and so I think I break my ankle so I can't and we're playing like the next day or the day after or something so I literally I keep my leg elevated, you know, the rice, stress, ice, compression, elevation. and So I'm icing nonstop, and the assistant coach, Jeff Perry, is like, hey, you think you can play? And I said, I don't know, man. Like, my ankle's, like, bad. And he's like, well, you know, Baxi wants to know, you know, wants you to play. You think you can play? And I'm like, so I'm going to play. Like, I play through everything if I could. You know, I was one of those guys, right, wrong, or different, probably to the detriment of my body. But I don't know. That's just what I did. And so I get my foot in the, my skate. I take warm up, feeling pretty good. It hurts me. You know, after a while, the adrenaline takes over, and I don't play a shift. What? The entire game. Yeah, I sit there. The entire friggin' game. And I could have, like, I swear to God, I could have, oh my, I just wanted to lose my mind. So you're pestering me, can you play, can you play, can you play? And then you just sit me there for a whole game. You know how bad my foot was throbbing? Like, what was his reasoning? I don't know. Like, so my wife, uh, girlfriend at the time, 
So, like, uh, Clark Wilmot had a room with me, and uh, we all lived in this, like, it was an old folks building. It was, like, fully furnished. It was, like, 700 bucks. Like, it was perfect. And But I, like, he, so Wilmot wanted to live with me, and I, I talked my wife into li- coming down. I'm like, you have to come live with me, otherwise I'll probably drink myself out of the league because there's too many guys that like to have beers. And <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. Anyway, so at the end of the year, he, uh, he says to my wife or girlfriend at the time, says Chelsea's like, yeah, you know, I had to be hard on him. It was the best thing for him. And I'm like, I don't care. Be hard on me. But, like, he barely played me. I called Trimmer, and I was like, can I come back to Brandon? He's like, why? And I'm like, because I'm not playing, man. Like, I wanted to go back. Yeah. And, but I guess it was a good experience. And then Brian Sutter called me. He got the job, and he called me in the summer. And, you know, they traded for a Ginla, and so he played those games in the playoffs against Chicago, I believe. And yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, he comes to camp and, you know, he's an unbelievable player. He's a great guy. We train together. I have nothing against him at all, but he comes to camp and he's with like flurrying castles, right? And I come to camp and I'm playing with an East Coaster and a junior guy. So it's like, you know, if you want to give someone an opportunity, you, know, you have to earn your opportunities too. But if you really want someone to excel, you put them with veteran players. So, um, Sudgy calls me in the summer. He's like, you know, hey, Darren, you know, so you score 40, you can hit and fight. Like, what's it going to take for you to make this team? And I'm like, well, when you show up to camp and, you're playing with an East, a guy from the East Coast in junior. You kind of know where you are and whatever. And so I showed it, you know, to his credit, uh, you know, he's like, you can make this team. So I showed up at camp and I was playing with Flurry Castles or Aginla and I had four goals, four assists and six fights in eight games and made the team. And then I had, uh, I think I scored the second game of the season. I could be wrong, but I think I had two and six. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to score 40. Like I'm a, and then we went two and 10 and, uh, I got punched into the fourth line. I didn't score for like three months and uh we're in Madison Square Gardens and I'm playing against Gretz and he didn't remember me. He came into my house when I was like six. I broke my leg. My dad talked to me into coming over somehow, but uh I don't think he remembered me, but so he's trying to play defense, but not really. I take the puck, I try to wrap around and get the rebound, I go bar down on Mike Richter and I'm like, Woo like rah! you know, like all the boys are pumped and so I go back to the bench and I sit down as soon as I sit down, says he right behind me goes about you know, yeah. freaking time. I was like, come on, man. You can let me like enjoy this a little bit. Like, you know, Gretz, <laughs> Richter, Madison Square Gardens, man. So it was interesting to say the least, but, uh, you know, that was whatever. And then the next year I got sent down after training camp because we traded German Tito for David Roach and, uh, Ken Reggett and Ken Reggett got hurt in camp. And so that year, like I was back in the mind, you know, total mind F, you know, like mess with guys. And so I had, uh, I think I had to play 70 games for my contract to become a one way. And I play 68, then I'm healthy scratch. So I'm like, I'm done, I'm going down. So I sit out six games, I think, straight, something like that. Or, And then I get in against, uh, then, I, you know, you go to the rink and, you know, there's a lineup on the board. And so I'm in the lineup against uh, Buffalo. So I'm like, I'm going to be ready to play. So, you know, I had uh, the sniffles that day, so I had a couple sooties and about 10 coffees, and I was ready to go. I was buzzing. I had, uh, I got like three or four breaks. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I had like 10 shots that game. You know how many goals I scored? 
Zero. Yeah, zero. You know why? Because <laughs> Dominic Hasek was in there. <laughs> that guy was good. Yeah. But I was like, tell you what, I was I got in the lineup and I made it so I don't know, not clear, but uh, like they couldn't sit me again because I was that good. Like I was like, you know, I eat ten shots. Where it was a couple like bunch of three breakaways. I think it was two or three. So I played seventy, and then you know I made I uh, got to a one way contract, and the next year they they sat me down, and I was like. Okay, but like that was when remember the Canadian teams were all losing money and yep. you know, it was like whatever, they're all in jeopardy and then I remember one of their player personnel guys came down and we're all in the bar because it was the minors, like you play three and three and you all fight and there was and one time the we, Yeah, like we yeah, we played Fredericton like eight times in a row. And I fought Brad Brown like I don't know, four times and then whoever else like and then like you they, they just go to the bar after because you play three and three or whatever. And then I remember the one of the player personnel guys was there and I said to him, like, Why am I here? Like like he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, like everyone's complaining. Like you guys are like Calgary's losing money. The ownership group, I remember Edmonton went through a couple. Like you know they had like the yeah. community owners and stuff. And I'm like, I'm making four hundred grand in the minors. Like, how does that make sense? And then like two weeks later, I was in the flurry deal. Went to Colorado. So. Change, change your life. Uh, yeah. That's what I want to talk about sure. uh, when we come back. Uh, Joe Sackick, uh, Peter Forsberg, uh, Chris Stingman, teammates uh, next on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We continue on The Gregor Show on Sports 1440, live Oilers Nation YouTube. Uh, Jason Gregor alongside Chris Dingman today in Who Is It Wednesday. And uh, so, Dinger, you get traded in the uh, flurry trade to uh, Colorado and uh, obviously, they had a pretty big, pretty good team at the time. How, how was it when you, you know, you go from Calgary, you're not playing a lot, and then you get thrown into Colorado? Well, excuse me, I'm getting a little, uh, little teary eyed about that because, no. It, uh, well, I went to Hershey. Okay. And Hershey, Pennsylvania. So I went there for like a month, and uh, it was great. Ted, Mike Felino, and Jay Wells, I got to give them uh, a plug because two of the best guys and best coaches. And so, anyways, I get to. Uh, Colorado plays Chicago back to back, and Chicago had like Probert, Reed Simpson, Bannonbush, Brad Brown, like just murderers row of tough guys. So they played a back to back in Denver and then Chicago, and then so I get called up for the second game ahead of uh, Scott Parker, who was their first rounder. Oh, that's a tough so, dude too. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, really tough. So uh, Michelle Goulet comes down and he's like, hey, you know, Dan, you're coming up. Uh, you know, I need some uh, need a guy like you, physical. So this was in the wooden stick era, so I did up like four sticks. I broke on a warm-up and played a minute and 52 seconds and <laughs> fought over it. So my first shift was um, I go out for as after goal, and I line up and on left wing, and then this guy comes and bumps me, and he's like, uh, hey, so your coach sent you out here to give me a try? And I look, and it's Probert. And I was like, no, but if you want to go, we can go. He goes, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, but he like asked me. It was awesome. So, <clears throat> so we how did fight. it go? I did good. Yeah, uh, I, I just remember Flurry on the bench. Keep swinging, so I, I did good. I mean, I think maybe I got the better of them, and I go sit in the penalty box, and Jeff Rogers and guys come over like, yeah, good job. I'm like, how's my face? And they're like, good. I'm like, did I did I do good? And they're like, yeah, you did good. And then, and then uh, we lined up again. I thought he was. I thought we were gonna go again. I'm like, are we going? And he's like. You know, f off, whatever. And then he kind of jumped me on the boards, and so I—I I don't know if I ended up with seven minutes or seventeen or something. I played a minute and fifty-two seconds, but before the game, Hartley calls me and he's like, "You do the job. I'll keep you here. I don't care. You know, we got guys under contract. I don't. You know, I'll keep you here." And so then after the game, calls me and he's like, uh, "Yeah, we're sending you down. We got guys coming back." Uh, and I see here you're 245 pounds. You can't play in the NHL at 245. So you're going to go down. You're going to ride the bike hour every day. Lose uh, ten pounds. I'm like, thanks, man. Like, <clears throat> I just fought the toughest guy in the league. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I do well. And then now you're sending me back down. I go, so I'm pretty rattled. Called my wife, and I was like, I don't know. I think I'm done. Like, I just, like, I just fought Proby and did well. And then got to lose ten pounds. And then so I go down, and then you know Mike Felino and Jay Wells are there. And so Mike's like, what's going on? I'm like, man, I think like I don't know what else I can do. Like, I fight Proby and do well, and I got to lose ten pounds. And he goes, listen. I can't control what that a-hole's going to do up there, but down here you're going to play. You know how to lose weight, just ride the bike. You're going to play. And he played me. He played me 4-on-4 four four overtime. And if it wasn't for him and uh, Jay Wells, man, I don't know. I probably maybe wouldn't be playing. So, And then I got called up for the playoffs. It was a black case. And 
stayed and then made the team the next year. And then you scored eight goals that year. Then your second year in Colorado, that's when you guys won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. All right. Um, you uh, and then you, you after the Stanley Cup, you you moved to Carolina. Then you're in, then you go to Tampa Bay. So you'd been playing with Forsberg and Sackick and Patrick Waugh and a Ray Bork, you know, mm-hmm. like lots of Hall of Fame guys. And then you go to Tampa Bay, and it turns out that guy's a pretty good team too. And the, and you mm-hmm. won there again, um, you know. And you played, you know, you played all 23 games in the playoffs uh, for them. Did you enjoy one cup more as a player? I don't know. I think they were both equally good. Like people ask, <clears throat> ask that question and winning's winning. And I look at it like, so Colorado was established superstars and Tampa was like up and coming superstars. So I got two quick stories about, Col- uh, <clears throat> excuse me about Colorado. I apologize for the coughing, but I'm really nervous being around you. You make me nervous ever since that Alzheimer's term when we played together and yeah. you yelled at me for not passing you when you're open. But, um, Anyway, so this is how good this team was. So Sachs has got, Joe Sachs has got 999 points. I think we're playing St. Louis. And our D were so good. We dressed, when we traded for Rob Blake, they dressed 7D and myself and Jeff Rogers. That was the year I scored eight. On the fourth line, they double shift Forsberg in the first and third, and then Sackick in the second between me to, and Audrey. With you and Audrey. Oh, yeah, so that's why I scored eight goals. I think seven <laughs> were assisted by Forsberg and Sackick, and one was by Brian Rolston on the power play okay. in Jersey on uh, Marty Bordeaux. How do I remember that? But anyway, so uh, Sackick's got 999, and he's talking to Hayduk and Forsberg or whatever before the game. He's like, yeah, let's get it done in the first period. I was like, hey, Sacks. He's like, what? I'm like, hey man, I just want to tell you, like, you better get it done in the first period. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, your thousandth point, because he's a 999. He's like, why? I'm like, look around this room, man. Like, look at how many future Hall of Famers in here. And he's like, and I'm like, you don't want my name on that. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you got to play with me in the second period. So you better get it done in the first. And he's like, F off, whatever. Sure enough, second period, drops the puck. And it was literally, he was dry. I watched the video. He was trying to drop it for Santa Soslinch. And I think I literally like body checked him out of the way. He took a one to like slap shot and scored. And I was like, woo, whatever. And so I was the one. And then so. In Tampa, like we, we lost to Jersey in five games in triple overtime, I think it was. But we played Detroit and they were a top team and we're like, Hey, we like we could compete the next year. And so we were like learning like how to win and we were, we belong there. Colorado was, you know, we traded for Ray Bork, we lost in seven games at Dallas, we weren't sure if he was coming back. He comes back and it was unbelievable. Like coming from Calgary, it's like oh, our goal is to make the playoffs. No, no, your goal is to win a cup. So I went to Colorado, it was like that second year was uh, our goal is to finish first overall. So if we have a seven ga- or seventh game, it's in our building. Anything less is unacceptable. And my Bob Harley story where uh, – so Patrick was one of the best guys ever. He's a competitor, but he wants to win. And uh, so we're playing Calgary, and we're playing like crap, and we were, you know, losing. And Tang's, uh, Tanga got pumped to the fourth line. I moved up to the third line. And so there's a big meeting. Paralacqua comes down and talks to Tang's. And everyone's like, what are they talking about? He's playing like crap. Everybody knows it. But anyways, before the game – Bob goes, you know, I don't care who it is. Pete, Joe, Milan, you guys turn it over. You're not playing. <clears throat> well, after the second period, <clears throat> we're down like 2 nothing, And uh, nothing, nothing's been said. And like Forsberg and Zach, you've had like five extra larges with anchovies. You know, nothing. And so we come in the locker room. We sit down. Uh, you know, the coaches go into their room. And Patrick Waugh stands up. And like goalies, you know, they don't you don't talk to them. You leave them alone. And Patty stands up and he goes, you guys, this is a friggin' joke. He's like, we're not going to win playing this way. This is a friggin' joke. I want to win, and this is a friggin' joke. We're not going to win playing this way. And then he launches into, that guy down there, he's got no balls. He's not going to say you, Joe. He's not going to say you, Pete. He's not going to say you, Milan. He's got no balls. You guys got one period to show me you want to win, or I'm friggin' out here asking for a trade. I think we can win. He's got no balls. And we're like, oh my. Like, the hairs are standing up, and it was like, unreal. So, the best part was uh, the two-minute mark. Harley comes in. He's like, uh, B. Joe Milan, you guys are starting. <laughs> and then Trotche's walking like five feet behind him, and he's like giggling, laughing his ass off. Go, Bob heard every word. Well, third period, if I remember correctly, we scored three goals, and it was literally like an NHL all-star team playing against the American League team. And that was why we won, because the expectation was to win. And like Ray Boric, we're in St. Louis going in triple overtime. He went in, slammed the door, came out, said everyone's going to play. He told Bob Harley to play him less because he wanted to win. And he knew he couldn't play 30 minutes. Plus, we had like Blake and Foot and Oh, you guys are really good D. Yeah, so like that was like the expectation was to win, and guys were willing to not play as much because they wanted to win. And it was like win one for Ray, and Ray's like, screw that, man. Win it for yourself because my name will be right next year's where, you know, Tampa was, you know, we had Richards and the Cavalier and Dan Boyle and, you know, these young up-and-coming superstars. They were, like, great, good players that became great players. And you know, I tell the story, like, Iggy, when we golfed in the summer, 
So they, you know, Cal oh, him and Cavalier, that was one oh. of the greatest fights ever. Oh my god! But like Vinny was like three inches from getting knocked out, and we're like, God, just hang in there, Vinny. And so like that fight. So like Jerome basically Iggy took that team and put it on his back and you know took him to the playoffs and I think Craig Conroy's got a job because of it because he was his center man and they were buddies but um, <clears throat> I said Iggy like why are you fighting like what are you doing so we're golfing in the summer and I'm like what are you doing man why are you fighting there he's like what do you mean I'm like why are you fighting he's like well that's what we do it was our thing you know fire the team up I'm like do you have any idea what that did for our team the fact that like Vinny just didn't get killed and hung in there I'm like that was like a huge boost for us number one number two if you break your hand your team's done like you have no chance of winning he's like well I didn't really think of it that way and I was like yeah man it was unreal like that series everything was it was like awesome so that team was just learning how to win and like, I mean, Ruslan Fedotenko, like, uh, oh, scored goals. Oh, he was unreal. Like, oh. He scored some huge goals for you. That yeah, year. like, he, he literally grew up, uh, like, close to Chernobyl. And, like, I don't think he's aged, like, in 20 years. I was back in March for the 30th anniversary, and they did the wall. Though They were doing a wall of fame, and they're doing the 20th anniversary in March again. And, like, Fed still can't grow facial hair. He's rosy-cheeked. And it's like, hey, Dish, how you doing? Everything good? Yeah, like, great guy. Unbelievable. Like, he hasn't aged. I've obviously aged a little bit. My hair's a different color, but I still have hair, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'm wishing I didn't have hair right now, so <laughs> that's uh, kind of how it goes. Dinger, we're going to have to get you back in, man. That was some unbelievable. We might just have to have a story time with Dinger, because uh, we got lots more uh, to get to, man. I really appreciate it. I know we, we keep you to an hour, so I thank for that, but uh, we'll uh, we'll get you back in very soon, man. I really appreciate that hour. No problem. Can I plug my one job, Environmental 360 Solutions? Buddy, my bosses listen. Yeah, yeah. We need, we can what help are you, you doing? Are you in sales? What do you do? Business Development Specialist is my official title, oh, oh, oh. so it's what basically sales. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I just okay. develop business. And I get, apparently, I'm a specialist, but we do all types of ways, so if we can help you, then I'm in the, uh, you know what, business, the poop business. The, the really? And what's well, the company again? Environmental 360 Solutions. Environmental 360 Solutions. Uh, hey, you can uh, go do some sales with Dinger. I'll tell you a few stories. So, some Bob Hartley stories that are, aren't eligible for radio that I have heard <laughs> off the radio that are very good, though. Very good. Uh, thanks for this, Dinger. We appreciate oh, it, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That is a two-time Stanley Cup champion, Chris Dingman on Who Is It? Wednesday. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, man, we got lots to catch up on the uh, month of giving. The boys are going crazy. I love it. Here's a con man. Sports 1440 update brought to you by Fountain Tire. Stopping now. The Road Ready Sales event is on. And uh, you can save $225 on select tires and get an additional $50 bonus when you book any service right now at FountainTire.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.